weren't on the same page. We weren't communicating about money. I said, you know what? Let's just pause. I'd much rather have my marriage than be debt free. You're listening to the Winning to Wealth podcast, where you'll hear real stories from real people who are on the path to building real wealth. These stories will show you how to earn more money, pay off debt, start investing, and make better money choices so you can build wealth for your future. Now, here's your host, Michael Lacey. What's up, what's up, what's up, teammates? This is episode 38 of the Winning to Wealth podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to talk about what happens when you get burnt out on your debt-free journey. I brought on a great guest to talk about this subject with me, Mr. Alfred Wilson, who is the brains behind the brand Frugal Freddy. Alfred and his wife paid off a ton of debt right after getting married, but Along the journey, he realized that their financial priorities were changing and they decided to pause on their debt-free journey. I wanted to interview Alfred because I'm all about keeping it real on this show and burnout is a very, very real part of the debt-free journey. With that said, I think it's just as important to share these kinds of stories as it is to share stories where someone becomes debt free because you may find yourself in this situation someday where you're facing burnout and you need a reminder on how to handle it. And so it's important to hear stories like Alfred's for that very reason. Also, Alfred mentions a few resources and a few different ways that you can connect with him throughout this episode. So if there's something you'd like to check out for yourself, head over to winningtowealth.com slash episode 38 and look for the resources section. I'm going to link to everything right there so you're not having to try and remember every single thing that you want to look into as a result of this interview. But let's jump right into this interview with Mr. Alfred Wilson, a.k.a. Frugal Freddy. So, Freddie, welcome to the show, man. I am so excited to have you on. I've been following you on Instagram for a while. And, and again, just excited to have this conversation and share more of your story. So thank you again for, for deciding to come on and, and do this with me. Oh, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to, to talk about all this debt-free journey stuff and <laughs> family and money and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of family, I mean, while we're right there, let's just start back at the beginning. So can you share just the story of like you and your wife meeting and becoming a couple and like how everything came to be with you guys? Oh, man, we have a very interesting story. So uh, to make a long story short, we had a, a mutual friend that hosted like a, a kickback at her home. Um, I was new to the city. I'm originally from Cleveland, but moved down to Columbus, Ohio. Um, so, you know, the girls is after me. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> you know how, you know how some women are trying to, you know, hook you up with their friends. So maybe I'll start short. It was a, a discussion night. So we were talking about different things and she came there with her girls and I came there by myself. So I didn't know anybody. We kind of had a little exchange about good guys versus bad guys and how good guys are bad. Like it was some crazy stuff, man. But. I never said anything directly to her. I never approached her to say, hey, my name's Alfred. Hey, I would like to, you know, get your number. Because I didn't know she had a boyfriend or not. So eventually, I found her on Instagram. And I slid in her DMs. And, you know, I got the number. But she always says that she, <laughs> she checked me out on LinkedIn before she gave me her number to see if I was legit. So we got to that point, got her number. And then the first time we spoke, 
first time we spoke on the phone, man, we spoke for four hours straight. Uh, she was traveling for work, so she was in New Mexico, uh, and I was at, you know, Columbus just chilling on a Friday night, and we just, you know, we were just chopping it up and talking about life, and it was just, you know, the rest is history from there, man. Literally slid in the DMs, and now she's my wife. Man, you know what? You know, social media gets a bad rap, man, but there are a lot of stories that start off that way. Even my wife and I, I mean, we were friends beforehand. We kind of knew each other, but um, mm -hmm. I reached out on social media just as a friend to say hi. I saw she was posting some stuff, looked like she was having a tough time. So mm -hmm. slid in the DM. Hey, what's up? <laughs> three months later, we were dating and like five uh -huh. years after that, we were married and it's been, you know, a, a whirlwind of a journey. So beautiful story, man. Beautiful yeah. story. But I want to ask, you know, like, as you guys are navigating that, right, and you're starting to date, like, what is your financial situation like as individuals? That's a great question. And um, so at that time, I had about $145,000 of debt. Mostly of it was student loan. And she had about twenty, And she, you know, she was able to pay that off before we got married. But um, even before that, you know, our debt, makeup was totally different you know i'm bringing in all this and to be honest on our either our first or second date i told her about the debt i'm like hey i'm serious about this i want you to know up front because i was dating to get married and i knew she could potentially be my wife so i'm like hey i'm coming to the table with this i want to let you know ahead of time so you can make the decision to leave or stay and she stayed <laughs> And, uh, you know, as we, you know, was dating and, you know, I was courting her, really understanding our, our money makeup. So she's she is the spender and I am the saver. Um, however, I think we both balance each other out because sometimes at one point I was feeling guilty about spending money and she would kind of push. Like, hey, you know, buy something for yourself. And that's OK. You know, don't feel bad about that. And sometimes I got to tell her, hey, you got to slow down on the spending. Uh, you know, we don't definitely miss bills, but it's just like it's always good to have that nest egg. So I think we definitely balance each other out because we come from totally different backgrounds and totally different um, perspectives when it comes to money. You know, I, I'm I'm not going to let you slide by without addressing the fact that you brought up that you had one hundred forty five thousand dollars of debt <laughs> on the first date. Like, yeah. That is not in the manual, my man. Like that's <laughs> no, talk, to me, talk about that conversation. I mean, so you know, you come clean and you're like, all right, look, I got all this debt. Like, what right. is her reaction? Is she like, whoa, or what you know, what was that conversation like? I think she was definitely like shocked and wasn't expecting it. And like I said, like I was dating to get married and I didn't want anything to come in between that. I didn't want any surprises once we like really got serious and like, oh, by the way, Felice, I got $145,000 worth of debt. I just at least wanted to have it up front so she mm -hmm. can be in a position to make that decision. Um, but initially, she's human. Like, she was shocked by it. But one thing that she told me was like, it wasn't debt that was just crazy. That It wasn't credit card debt. I wasn't just going out, balling out, going on vacations every weekend and just, you know, cashing out everywhere or credit credit card debt in and everywhere. It was something for my future, something that was an investment for my, my education. And I think if the debt was different, I think she would have definitely had a different perspective. But with it being mostly student loan debt and then my car, she understood where, where I was coming from. Okay. So do you mind like sharing your income range around that time? Around that time for me, I was mid 60s. Okay. Okay. So kind of in the 60s with $145,000 in debt, like, did you feel like 
you were struggling with money or did it, or was it again, just kind of like one of those things where it's student loans, like this is normal. This is what I was supposed to do. Like, or did you again, feel that financial pressure of like, man, I'm struggling to make ends meet every month. Kind of what was going on with you around that time? It was, it's the latter, like having the perspective and the mindset that student loans was normal. And as I, you know, began to educate myself, it wasn't normal. So it really, it wasn't a money thing. It really was a, a mental mentality type of thing for me. And I remember I read, you know, the total money makeover and that what really kicked everything off. Um, that little book, I read it within a weekend and I'm like, this is something I always needed because money was never an issue. Um, and I was living well below my means, had a nice apartment that was a below market rate. So I could have definitely paid it off a lot more before I even got married. But that what jump started everything, man. I was side hustling, worked at Subway while working at like a, a major uh, banking company down here in Columbus. And I had to put my side of pride and, and, and my pride aside. I'm sorry. And just really grind out and make it happen. Wow. Okay. So you got all these side hustles, but like before we get to that part, I mean, mm -hmm. what was going on? Because you said, I mean, you know, this feels normal. So what was that wake up call? Like what happened in your life that made you realize that you actually wanted to really lock in and start attacking the debt? I knew I wanted to start a family and I knew that she wanted to start a family, have kids and all that good stuff. Um, it really was that, like that wake up call, like us getting engaged and things began to become very real for us. Like we're going to have a family. So I want, I didn't want to leave a burden back for my family. If, if my wife and I can knock out this debt before our children get old and adults, we got to do it now. And to be honest, it hasn't been the, the easiest journey, but it's definitely been an eye opening journey and definitely was needed so we can change that perspective and that projection for our family going forward. Okay. And so I know you mentioned the side hustles and I definitely want to touch on that in a second, but can you talk about just some of the things that you did early on in your journey that really kind of helped you kickstart thing and start making progress once you had made that commitment? I would definitely say writing down our goals. We knew we had a goal of being debt free, but how do we get there? And I know the one thing that really has helped us is budgeting. And I know people it sounds cliche, but budgeting really helped us get to that point because we were able to really tell our money where to go. Like, at, you know, some months, man, we were paying $5,000 just towards student loan debt. And we were blessed enough to be in a position to make the money that we we're making to do that. And if we didn't have that budget and, and those goals in mind, I don't think we could have achieved what we have achieved so far. Okay. And so again, and then I want to also touch on the side hustles. So can you go into like, you know, what some of those side hustles were again, and mm -hmm. then what that experience is, was like, you know, being a working professional during the day and then <laughs> out hustling at night and like mm -hmm. trying to find time to sleep and be okay. a husband and like, all, like just kind of walk through what that's like. Right. I think the, the first side hustle, like I said, it was working at Subway, um, making sandwiches, prepping vegetables. And it was very... It's a humbling experience, man. Like you go from this nine to five corporate guy to working at Subway where, you know, how society portrays things like you don't see that happen so-called in real life, but it happens in real life. But I knew, you know, we had a goal in mind. So I was willing to do anything to get to that goal. If it was, you know, putting my pride aside to work at Subway, I have a bachelor's, I have an MBA. And sometimes I think, you know, some people may have that, you know, 
be very prideful of that. But I say, you know what? Forget that. I need to get rid of the debt. So I don't care. I don't care about my MBA. I don't care where I went to college at. This debt got to be gone. So I did Subway for a period of time. I worked at Target for most of the, you know, throughout this journey. I don't work there anymore. But I worked at Target. Man, Target was love, man. I was getting paid very well per hour. Got a lot of good hours. But to your point, trying to do a nine to five, work a part time job and getting home at midnight every night wasn't sustainable. It was draining. Um, and trying to wake back up the next morning and, and be the best professional I can be. So I worked at Target for a period of time. I delivered um, food through Postmates for a period of time. Um, and most recently, man, like been, just been selling the junk in our home um, and making some money off of that and having yard sales. Last summer, we had yard sales every weekend. And we would literally just post up on a corner by our home and people would drive by and, and, and buy some things and keep it going. Um, currently, I'm not really side hustling because I'm, I'm a father now. I don't really have the time. However, it's just trying to find different income streams to be able to put towards the debt or even save. Um, right now, I got the Frugal Freddy brand going on, selling a couple T-shirts. I've been fortunate enough to make some money off of that. So I'm utilizing that money uh, to definitely pay towards the debt and also build the Frugal Freddy brand. Gotcha, man. That's cool. That's real cool. Real life hustling right there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, you know, let's talk about, because again, you're, you're married at that time, like you said, and you're a father now. So how did your wife feel as you were, you know, doing all these side hustles? Like, was she mostly on board with that? Or was she kind of like, I, you know what, it's what we got to do, but I don't really like it. Like, what was the effect on your marriage that, that all that work had? <laughs> that's a, that's a loaded question, right? <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, man, like it's a little bit of everything. Of course, initially she's on board, but she's human. So like, yeah, she wants her husband at home. She wants to spend that time. Um, at one time when I was working at Target, she was maybe seven months pregnant and I wasn't home. So it's just like, it definitely took a toll on me personally as well as our marriage. Um, but I mean, ultimately she's on board, but now it looks different. Like, okay. Let's let's leverage the Frugal Freddy brand to bring in more income. You know, you're at home while you're doing that. You're not out and about around people and and not in the home at night. So. So, I mean, let's talk about that, because, you know, maybe there's somebody that's in that position right now where they're side hustling or they're wanting to do it. But they also don't really kind of want to sacrifice that time away or anything, or they're having those discussions where, you know, it's husband and wife. And like, for the most part, they're on the same page. but maybe the method is not really jiving right now with both parties. So how do you go about kind of resolving that and, and not allowing that to spill over into some form of tension in your marriage? Yeah, I would say definitely just communicating. Um, I know one thing that we need to get better at is having our, our monthly family meetings. And I think those are the platforms and times to talk about that. Like, Hey, most, I think the couple's on the same page about whatever the goal is that they're achieving. That's what's important. Um, and we definitely had our challenges at communicating and understanding each other's perspective when it comes to the debt and then outside of just the debt, just family relationship, marriage. And also one other thing, I would highly recommend going to uh, couples counseling because uh, that's been a lifesaver for us for our relationship as we're navigating this season of our marriage. It's not a permanent season. It's a very brief season. And once we get past this, I always tell my wife, once we get past this, man, we can conquer anything that we put our mind to as a couple. 
You know, I love that you said that. Um, I was recent. I did a, an interview. I think it was CNBC recently, mm-hmm. um, where we talked about that, and and that was the exact same thing. I said like, one, I felt like once we became debt free, because our journey was so dang hard. Like, <laughs> I felt like there's there was really nothing that was going to come between us. And and looking back on it, like it was right for the most part. Like, I, mm-hmm. we don't really fight about money anymore. We have you know the resources to work where we want and how we want and. Not not have that impact our time together. And so mm. like we eliminated so much of the traditional money fights and marriage fights just by getting out of debt. So mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you, right? Like it is, it does transform your marriage, but back to the, to the debt-free story. I mean, when you guys were starting back at the beginning, mm-hmm. like, did you have a target date in mind that you were aiming for? Oh, definitely. It was by the end of this year. By the end of this year. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, how's that going? Let's talk about that. Like, Um, let's actually, let's go back. So like, what year did you guys start? And mm -hmm. then where are you now? So officially as a married couple, we started in October, 2017 when we got married. Um, But before we got married, I had a goal of paying off my car before we got married and like one small student loan. Um, So I did that. But when we got married, it officially started in October 2017, and we've just been grinding ever since. And we had to go, you know what, at the end of 2020, we will be debt-free. But life happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we knew, you know, when we had a kid, priorities had to change. And it couldn't be so much about being debt-free. It was about being parents and being there for our daughter. So that's what kind of altered the, the strategy and the time frame. And I always tell, you know, me and my wife talk about this all the time. You know, we're going to be debt free, although it didn't happen in the time that we may have wanted it to. But at the end of the day, we will be debt free. Right. Okay. And so so when did you guys decide to to take the pause? And then what was the motivation for that, um, for pausing the journey? We decided to take the pause in December of 2019 um, around that time. We, you know, we were trying to prepare for holidays, Christmas shopping and all that. The budget was in shambles. Um, we actually overdrafted our account a couple of times. Um, thank God we have a savings account to save our butt. But we weren't on the same page. We weren't communicating about money. I said, you know what, let's just pause. I'd much rather have my marriage than be debt free. Um, so I'm like, let's just take a pause. Like, this is money at the end of the day. Pause. So we decided to take a pause. And also around that time, we decided that we want to buy our first home as well. Um, so we're actively looking for our first home. It's been a very interesting process so far. Um, the market that we live in is very competitive. So right now we're, we're having like a hybrid approach. So, you know, we're attacking, you know, some of the smaller debts, but we're not really attacking it. Like we may pay an extra hundred dollars on that debt, um, compared to maybe paying a thousand dollars on that debt. But, you know, stockpiling cash for a sizable down payment for our first home and being able to have a home that we, you know, that we can call a home, a place that we can call a home. Okay. And so when you guys made that decision to pause last winter, like how much debt had you paid off up to that point? Um, We were maybe, maybe about 70000 Okay. Something like that. I think that's how the math works. Yeah, about about seventy because right now we're about 60000 yeah, we paid about seventy through, throughout that whole time. Yeah, 
So you were making good progress. Like you were killing it. I mean, yeah, it, we were. <laughs> yeah, like everything. It wasn't like you were struggling. Like you know what I mean. Like you, you weren't making progress. Like you're, you're seeing progress, but at the same time, you decide. You know what? Our marriage is more important right now, and like that's the thing we need to focus on, and and let's shift the focus. And I love that. Like personal finance is personal. That's the right. very first word is personal. So I love the fact that you took that time away and said, you know what, let's focus on us. That way we're stronger. And then once we decide to do this again, then you know what, we're in a much better place in our marriage and we can make even more progress if we decide to go back that way. So right. I love it. But you know, it, it leads me to ask, like, even though you guys made that decision, was it like, did you find yourself being disappointed or, or like having those feelings of like, man, like, you know, kind of feeling down about not paying the debt like you were every month? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, us being humans, we definitely, we had a goal, but, you know, in I guess normal terms, you would say they didn't hit the goal, but I think we definitely hit our goal. Like to make that much progress in that amount of time and cash flow on the wedding, becoming parents before our one year anniversary and, and dealing with just, you know, struggles at work on both our parts and different things that happen in the world. I think it it was a success. However, you know, you know, social media could be a gift and a curse. And I would say for me, comparing myself to other people that became debt free, you, you, you hear these stories. I became debt free in two months and I paid off a hundred thousand. Like, whoa, that's not good for me to even listen or hear because not saying that those stories aren't true. Um, just trying to compare our journey to other people's journey wasn't value added for us. Um, so we had to work at our own pace and we know we have a goal being debt free. However, it's going to look and feel, you know, from person to person, from couple to couple. Uh, you know what, man, you're, you're killing it. So, um, <laughs> No, I'm serious though, because that, that's so true. Like we talk a lot, especially in the personal finance space, we talk a lot about, oh, don't keep up with the Joneses. And we look at it from a spending point, like, oh, your neighbor bought a car. Now you want a car, right. like you're keeping up with the Joneses. But we do the same thing. Like we look at other people's savings rates and we say, oh man, I'm not there yet. Or we right. look at how fast they paid off debt or whatever. And we go, oh man, I'm not there yet. So it's literally the exact same mentality, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's different because we, you know, we feel it's different because we feel like what we're doing is noble. Right. And so, that's real. man, that's, that's, that's good. I'm glad you brought that point up. You just like really opened my eyes and I might have to do a solo episode on that. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Cause I mean, like, I fell victim to that, man. Like you see, like you just see it like, dang, you know, I wish I was at that point. Um, however, one thing that I've learned through this journey is that although we're trying to become debt free, you can still live your life. And we were to a point where we didn't live our life. Like we haven't even taken a honeymoon yet. And I feel so bad about that. And once, you know, coronavirus go away and we're more comfortable about traveling, when we have our honeymoon, it's going to be the best honeymoon ever. Like if we can live or go somewhere for a month, I want to do that because I owe that to my wife because this journey is definitely started by me or, you know, because of me, I, I want to pay that back to her. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, let's talk about that because we are living through a pandemic right now. Mm -hmm. And so like, how has that like shifted your perspective on personal finance? The reason I asked that is because like, you know, I, I was laid off. I lost my job and like mm -hmm. all these other things. And it's really shifted my priorities because I was that guy that was like, all right, let's let's hit it. Let's get it as fast as we can. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm being forced to sit with my thoughts and realize like, 
oh, what you really want is more time with your family. And like, you don't have to be a millionaire to have more time with your family. Do you can just decide to do it. Right. So how has living through this shifted your, you know, financial mentality, if at all? Oh, it definitely shifted it. It, 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 Even just the, to your point, having that time to yourself to kind of reflect, like what's really important right now, is it becoming debt free or being able to have a nice stockpile of money because we don't know what's to come from this and from three, three, four months from now. So really it is us saving more for the house, but also saving for just for a rainy day, an extra rainy day. Um, um, but also being able to spend that time actually even stockpiling on like tissue, paper towels, like stuff that we don't even think about that we kind of take for granted. Mm-hmm. hand sanitizer <laughs> um, and, <laughs> but it's just being prepared because we don't know like, we ne- like we've never been through anything like this and it's just being able to be prepared financially and mentally right right so you know looking back on this journey I, I know you said like even though you didn't meet your goal you still classify it as a win right mm-hmm. But you also mentioned like, man, you know what? I didn't have the honeymoon that we deserved or like anything like that. And so looking back on the entirety of this process from October 2017 till now, is there anything that you would have done differently knowing what you know today? Oh, great question. Another loaded question, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I I would say I would we would have definitely took our honeymoon and just did it. Um, Also would have been more intentional about educating myself about different means of making money outside of the nine to five. Those would be the two things, definitely taking the honeymoon and, and being more intentional, being more aware of different income streams. If that's, you know, real estate, vending machines, um, something that I can scale that could replace the income that we were devoting towards that. So the money can work for itself. Yeah. You know, and all you listeners that that heard the seven things I learned during Rona episode that I did a few weeks back, like, you know, that that's also one of the things that I said is like, I wish I had taken more time to it was it always felt like it was something that I would get to like, right, creating a new income stream was like, it's always in the back of my mind. I'm like, all right, I know how to I can monetize this. I can monetize that. But let me focus on getting this bag that I got right now. And like, Mm -hmm. let me focus on securing that. And now, like you said, I wish I had taken that a little more seriously. Um, it would have, you know, we're in a good place, but it would have put us in an even better place right now. So, um, again, I'm, I'm right there with you in agreement on that. So, you know, since you guys have decided to pause, like what practical things have you done to keep a more balanced financial approach these days? Like, I know you mentioned trying to save for the house and like Mm -hmm. do a couple of different things. So how do you go about achieving that balance? Mm, That's a good question. I would say just being one with each other, man. And, you know, not to get all touchy feely, but if the communication is not right, the money ain't going to be right. No matter how much money you make, you know, because we definitely, you know, we're of the mindset of sharing finances. At one brief point, we decided not to share finances. And I mean, brief like two days. Because, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, we wanted to like shift roles. Like she was doing the budget. And she's like, nah, I don't want to do this no more because <laughs> it's very time consuming. But I would say practical things will be definitely uh, saving, being more mindful of what we're buying and being being able to be flexible. Because I feel like for me, 
if if I have a goal, I want to just go full throttle. And sometimes that's not good, um, depending on the situation. And being flexible with, okay, this month we, we're not paying that much towards the student loan. However, we're our, we're saving for the home. Or, hey, we're buying something for our daughter. Um, and being more open to buying things. There's nothing wrong with buying things. And I think that's the one thing as personal finance professionals, like some people portray like, oh, you should just be frugal all the way through. Don't buy nothing, you know, skimp on everything. And, and, and as I'm growing in my brand, I'm understanding like, no, spend your money on the things that matter to you and don't spend your money on the things that don't matter to you. Because I know one thing, you know, that's a, a very bad, not a bad thing, but a challenging thing is eating out like fast food. Like we spend a lot of money on that. But how can we make sure that we don't spend a lot of money on that? And that's with meal prepping and meal planning and designating a day out of the week that we eat out. Not every day. If it's like twice a week, once a week, whatever. Um, but those will be some of the practical things. Definitely meal, pre- uh, meal prepping, budgeting, communicating, and, and, and buying stuff. Yeah, you, it's important, man. You have to find ways to enjoy your money. Like, right. And again, that goes back to what I said earlier, like personal finance being personal how I enjoy my money may be different. Like that's why I try to like reserve judgment. You know, somebody may be a car enthusiast and they go buy new cars all the time and to them that's fine. But like, to me, I would rather spend that money traveling and like neither one of those approaches is wrong. It's just what we value. And so I'm glad that, you know, you have, you have clarity on that now and, you know, going forward to make the best decision for, you know, for your family. So, I have to ask now, like now that you're not paying off that debt as aggressively as you were, I know you mentioned again, saving for the house, but is there anywhere else that that spending gap is going towards these days? Oh, great question. Um, buying toys for our daughter. Um, my, we were kind of thinking about the monastery education program system. Um, so there's toys that are geared towards that, that kind of propels and um, accelerates the child's development. So we're spending a bag on some toys, but they're like sustainable <laughs> toys. Like they're wooden. They mm-hmm. they engage the, the the child in a different way. Um, so it is that's the spending gap right there is definitely cashing out on that. Um, so it's for the development for our daughter. I love it, man. That you know what? I'm that's something that we were talking about before. Actually, before Rona happened, mm-hmm. um, we had actually went to a Montessori school, toured it, and our plan was to take our daughter. She was going to start. We had a cruise that we scheduled for June, mm-hmm. so we were going to pull her out of her old daycare, take her on the cruise with us, and then when she went back, she was going to go to the Montessori. But that's all up in the air now. We don't know what's going on. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. We don't know, man. We don't. She may go. She may. I may be a stay-at-home dad forever. We just. We just don't know, man. This Rona just. <laughs> hey, it jacks up everything, man. Like we, man, at the beginning of, of this year, man, we had a, a a goal of going somewhere every month, like out of town every month for at least a weekend. And then Rona hit. Like we were supposed to go to like Chicago this month. And last month we were supposed to go to Atlanta, and like, like you said, we don't know. We can't do nothing. <laughs> yeah, so, we. Yeah, I'm saying we we were priorities like for the first time in like a long time. We said like, okay, every week on Thursday is our date night, regardless. Mm-hmm. And it was tough for us to always commit to a day because I had a job where I was traveling out of town a lot. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? I'm home on Thursdays, and we going on date night, and we made that commitment, and like. 
it was working. We were doing something every Thursday night and mm-hmm. Rona, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but I do want to ask, like, you know, because you're not paying off debt, right? And things like that. I, I want to ask, like, how have you continued to grow your net worth and like, you know, shoot towards wealth, uh, even though, again, you're not actively paying off debt and, and what you were focused on? Um, I would say it's definitely building the Frugal Freddy brand and also investing in the stock market. I also have an investment club with uh, three other people that I went to grad school with. So being very intentional about investing in that. So it's definitely investing with the stock investment club, building the brand, and also just, you know, fine-tuning our money management skills because that's always going to change no matter how much money that you make. Life happens, so like we have to adjust. We may have to scale back. We may have to go full throttle on something. So just being open and flexible with flexing. Right, right. Love it, love it. So, Freddie, you know what? I've enjoyed this time with you today, but before I let you go, I always like to ask a a hypothetical question um, to get advice from my guests to my listeners. So let's say that we've got a newlywed couple out there. They're listening to this. And one person's bringing in a big load of debt. The other person's not. What would you say to that couple to help them, give them a little hope to move forward financially? Oh, that's another great question. Um, I would say, I mean, whoever the person that's bringing in the debt, be very open and honest of what the debt is, how you got there. And then the person on the other end, just be understanding. Because I think it's easy to judge um, no matter what the debt is. Like, be understanding. And, you know, the person that's bringing it that allow that person to react the way that they're going to react, but always come back to have a kind of a clarifying conversation to kind of level set. Like, okay, I have this debt. I have this plan. Are you down with this plan and this debt? And then I think once that agreement happens, I think everything else kind of happens as it's supposed to happen. Um, there will be bumps in the road. There will definitely be bumps, bumps in the road. And as I said previously, um, couples counseling is important. Um, cause, you know, if, if that's not solid, the money problems will be 10 times as worse. Um, I'm, I'm a very avid, big advocate for that. Um, and it's helped us. So definitely communicate, allow, each other to react the way that they want to react, be understanding and counseling. I love it, man. And I, I, I'd second that counseling. My wife and I, we've done it ourselves, been through marriage counseling several times. Um, and it doesn't always mean something's wrong. It just means that you both have that desire to get better. So I love that right. advice. I appreciate you. So final thing I have for you, man, is just share anything you have to offer. I know you've mentioned the Frugal Freddy brand, but this is your this is your chance, man. Plug anything you have to offer and share where people can find you. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, my, my name's actually Alfred, but you can call me Frugal Freddy. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Frugal uh, underscore Freddy. You can find me on Facebook. Freddy is Frugal. But I have a website called Frugal-Freddy.com. I have a couple T-shirts that I'm selling. Uh, one that's inspired by the Living Single um, TV show from the 90s called Living Frugal. Um, I have another T-shirt, Frugalish, inspired by the Blackest TV show. And I got tons of free resources on my website, so check that out. Also, you know, I'm a part of an investment call, uh, investment club called the Cash Millennials, a play on the the Millennials word. 
but we, you know, we're all about securing the cash and investing in the stock market. So just encouraging, you know, our people, um, our age group to invest in the stock market. Don't be scared of the stock market. We, we all got to start somewhere. So we kind of utilize that platform to educate people and, and kind of, you know, bring down those fears about stock market investing because it can be intimidating, especially if that's not a part of one's uh, upbringing. So yeah, follow me on social media at Frugal Freddy, as well as at the Cash Lennials. That's C A S H L E N N I A L S. Um, but yeah, hit me up if you got any questions. I'm always there to answer any questions, to chit chat, live stream, podcast, all that good stuff. Awesome. And yes, you guys be sure to go find him on social media. And just in case you missed any of that or anything else Freddie mentioned, I'm going to have the links to everything and who, including how to connect with Freddie um, and the books and tools and all that that he recommended over at winningtowealth.com slash episode 38. But thanks again to my guy Alfred for coming on and sharing just so openly and so transparently about his journey. I really do appreciate you taking the time to come on and do that. All right. So now it's time for the win of the week. And this week's win of the week is to prioritize your marriage over your money. And one great way to do that is by keeping the communication open and keeping the communication ongoing. We've all seen and heard the stats that money fights are the leading cause of divorce in America. Now, going on a debt-free journey or a wealth-building journey doesn't exempt you from that. We have to be constantly communicating with our spouses because as people, we grow and we evolve over time. So we need to be mindful of that and we need to be careful about how we approach this journey with our significant others. And I say that because maintaining a strong and healthy marriage is work, right? There's no way to get around that. It is work. And getting your finances in order is definitely work. And this is all on top of, again, just the day-to-day -day responsibilities that you already have. And so most of us say that we want to be debt-free and we want to build wealth for our families. So then let's be mindful of the state of our families while we're on this journey. And one way that we do this is we have a monthly sit down meeting where we recap what worked and we recap what didn't work that month. Then we set new goals together for the previous month. And so if you're not already doing this, I suggest that you add it to your calendar and make it a date night. Now, you don't want this to be like a work meeting or any type of interrogation or like a, a gotcha thing where somebody messed up and you're holding it over their head. But this should really be a safe place where you both can express yourselves without any judgment and come up with solutions that work for you. So as you guys know, my wife, Taylor, she's the spender in our relationships. And so there's some months where we're saving and we're plugging along and I feel like, hey, we had a great month. And she comes to me and she's like, you know what? I'm starting to feel a little restricted, feeling a little burnt out. Um, and so we have to adjust for the next month. And then we have a conversation the next month about how that felt. And then we adjust for the month that comes after that. So again, this is not some gotcha thing or a chance to beat up on your spouse for their mistakes. This is really a safe place where maybe you grab a bottle of wine and some snacks and you really just talk like best friends about your goals and what's working and what's not working for either of you and what needs to change. And that has truly, truly transformed our marriage and it has truly transformed our money. 
Now, if you want some help with this, go download my monthly recap form on the website. I put this form together really for us, but as I was doing it, I really felt like it could be a help to somebody else because this form, it really just helps the conversation by bringing the actual data in so you can see the exact progress you're making each month on your wealth building journey. But at the bottom, there's also a place to track goals. And so there's uh, four spots for goals, which gives you two apiece where you both can say, you know what, this is what I'd like to accomplish. This is what I'd like to accomplish. And you can have compromise and, and all those and work those things out and put those on the form. And then you can also recap the current month's goals and how you did on those. So it's a way to really just drive the conversation in those early days, especially um, where maybe you don't know what to talk about. You don't know what to bring to the table. This is a great thing to use to help that. And you can find that over at winningtowealth.com slash recap. It's usually like $2, but as a result of this episode, I'm going to make it absolutely free for the rest of the month. So head over to winningtowealth.com slash recap recap, download the form and hop in my Facebook group. Let me know how it goes. I'd, I love to hear these types of conversations where, you know what, maybe something wasn't clicking and a tool or a resource that you found helped you have better conversations with your spouse. I absolutely love that kind of stuff. So uh, hop over in the Facebook group that's over at winningtowealth.com slash teammates and let me know how it works for you. But that's all the time I have for this week. So until we talk again, keep racking up those wins one at a time. Take care. You've wrapped up another episode of the Winning to Wealth podcast. To learn more about how you can start making winning money decisions, head over to winningtowealth.com.